The following shiur has been delivered by Diane Yosef Greenwald, Diane at the Betavad. For more information or shiurim, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. In Parashat Noach, we learn about the re-creation of civilization. All of the world civilization, population, everything that lived, everything that grew, that flourished on the earth had perished in the flood, in the Mabul. And Noah comes out of the Teva with his family members and he has to reestablish a society. And when you reestablish or you establish a society, there have to be ground rules in place. The names of the ground rule, the name of the ground rules of civilization is called the Sheva Mitzvot B'nei Noach. And they're put down in this week's Pasha, killing Ritzicha, Avodazara, idolatry, immorality, Gilua Rayot, thievery, Gneva. There's also uh, the imperative to establish a system of law and order, Mishpatim Dinim, to establish a court system, as well as Ever Menachai, eating from a uh, a piece that was cut off from a live animal, and there's also Bechat Hashem, blasphemy. Those are the Sheva Mitzvot B'nei Noach. So one of the more interesting details is a Gemara in Bavakama Tzadik Aleph Amud Bet, where the Gemara is Doresh the Pasuk that says like this, Ach et dimchem l'nafshotechem edrosh. I will take vengeance, I will, I will uh, take achrayut, responsibility for the blood that's spilled the, the Pasuk says, in the simple meaning, that's going on Ritzichah. It's going on if somebody's killed. His blood will be uh, avenged, so to speak, by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But uh, Rashi says that this is referring to Even though I allow you to spill blood of livestock of an animal, Rashi explains that this is the Gemara and Baba Kama that we mentioned, that this is talking about Miyad Nafshotechem Edrosh Damchem. From the person himself who's responsible for his own blood. What does that mean? Rashi explains over there in the Gemara that we're referring to somebody who commits suicide. Somebody who commits suicide, suicide is not a personal choice, a person doesn't own himself. Human life is sacred, doesn't belong to us, it's entrusted to each one of us, our own lives, and the lives of our children, of our loved ones, but it's not ours, and because it's not ours, we don't have a right to take it, and violating the sanctity of human life is in itself um, nothing to do with the violating somebody's Civil rights. It's not ben adam lachavero in the simple sense, but it's a violation of the sanctity of life. So suicide is really the same thing. It's not a person's own choice if he wants to end his life. Now, is a person a murderer if he kills himself? Is a person uh, actually, or this is just a drash in the pasuk? Interestingly enough, it seems to be a machloket between gdole achron. The, 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 the wording of the Rambam is interesting, he brings that if a person commits suicide, Baminan, a person commits suicide, 
so he's considered a murderer, but we won't kill him in Beidin. Yeah, obviously the, the, the million dollar question is, if he committed suicide, he's dead. You can't kill him. So they, they want to suggest maybe that we're talking about uh, somebody who rendered himself uh, an injury with for sure he's going to die from the injury. Right now he's alive, so he's still available to kill if you would want to pass judgment on him. No, he doesn't have the full brunt of being called a rotzeach. You look at the Psiktad Ravkana, which is a medrash, a halachic medrash in Parshat Yitro, by the Aseret HaTibrot, and over there it says, Lotitzach, Lotitratzach. You should not kill, you should not kill to be killed. The implication is where a person is killed and he's considered the killer. What's that? Obviously, suicide. So that being the Lashon of the Medrash, but the Rambam is still telling us that he's not considered a full Rotzeach. The Mechat Chinuch in Mitzvah Lamedalid um, says that there's an Aveira, but it's not considered a Rotzeach at all. As opposed to the Beit Meir in Yoridea, Siman Resh Tedvav, that says that he is definitely, um, he's definitely considered a Rotzeach. And again, we have the Rambam that says that he is a Rotzeach, but he's not, he's a murderer, but he's not considered, uh, he's not Chayiv in Bedit. It's not, a, it's not a capital crime to that level. Now, all that being said, like we're saying, suicide is definitely a terrible Avera. And there's a tragic episode in Tanakh that's discussed extensively by the by the Mephoshim. And uh, we might do well to explore that uh, that episode for a few minutes. This is an episode in Sefer Shmuel Aleph. Um, it's in Perek Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Gimel through Hey. And the Pesukim says like that, This is talking about the tragic end of the life of Shaul HaMelech after he erred and his kingdom was taken away from him for not carrying out the mission to destroy Amalek. And uh, he then chased David HaMelech and he killed out uh, the Kohanim in the, in the city of Nov. So he, he was condemned to die in battle. The Navi Shmuel told him, Navi Shmuel had passed away and he told him from the grave, he had a vision from the grave that uh, he would pass away, he would be killed in battle. And he went to battle knowing that that would be his atonement, his kapara for the Averot that he had done. But Tichbad Amil Chamal Shaul, the battle uh, went, the the ebb and tide of the battle flowed against Shaul. He said to his armor bearer, to his assistant, Shlaf Kharbacha, take out your sword, Vidakreniba, stab me with it. Penyavo Arelamaela, these uncircumcised ones, that was their name for the Plishtim. Vidakrani Vitalubi, they will stab me and they will torture me. He was very frightened to do this act, to kill the king. He killed himself. And he just couldn't bear the sight. He died with him. Tragic end to the life of a glorious figure. If we think that Shaul was a sinner... The Medrash tells us that in certain ways he was on a higher madrega, a higher level of kiddushah, of prishut, of tzidkut, and David HaMelech, if that's humanly possible. 
Shaul was a perfect tzaddik. He was a perfect tzaddik and he was taken to Kadosh Baruch Hu. There was slight uh, shortcomings that he had. They were not Averot. Shaul HaMelech was a perfect tzaddik. And he was taken to Kadosh Baruch Hu and the Medrash says that he sits together Imo Bemichitzato with Shmuel Hanavi, the great leader of Klai Yisrael. Shmuel Hanavi had been the one who deposed him, and yet he told him from the grave, Machar, tomorrow, this is when he foretold that he would fall in battle, Machar ata imi b'mechitzati. You are together with me, the Gemara says, that means you are together with me in Ganeiden, with Shutim, whatever that means. He was a perfect tzaddik. But the question is, for this perfect tzaddik to commit suicide, how was that permitted? Was he a murderer? How was he permitted to kill himself? And the Mefashim in the Siman in Yoredea and Shulchan Aruch has a Siman Kuf Nun Zayin that discusses the Halachot of uh, which Averot one is permitted and maybe and commanded to give one's life instead of being over when one is allowed to do an Avera to save one's life and when one is Mechuyav to lay down his life uh, for Kiddush Moyid Barach. And the Shach and the Bach discuss this problem of Shaul HaMelech, and they discuss that it's possible that Shaul HaMelech was afraid that the Plishtim would come, and they would consider it a victory upon victory before killing him, Baminan, to torture him, and to get him to bow down to Avodah Zarah, or say something blasphemous, and in order to protect himself from falling to that avira, from torture, sort of like uh, like a person would uh, hundreds of years ago, if he, if he was in a dungeon of the Inquisition, in order not to break under the torture and implicate others and have to make a confession, uh, living up to the tenets of Christianity, so he would kill himself. There are such stories, unfortunately, of Jews who killed themselves when they fell into the clutches of the Inquisition rather than break under torture. So... They understand it that way. The wording of the Mechaber of Maran in Shulchan, uh, in Shulchan Aruch that, that, that doesn't seem to support that. Shul, uh, the, Shulch, the Shulchan Aruch in Siman Yerdea again, Siman Shin Memhei, uh, Siv Gimel says like this. Katana Ma'abedat Smoladat, a, a, a child, a Katan, who commits suicide, he's not considered as having the, the proper faculties to make that decision. Uh, somebody who is an adult, who commits suicide, he is an onus. He had no choice in the matter. Like That means what we're discussing over there in Yerdea, is the fact that if somebody commits suicide, we don't give him the amount, we don't give him a proper funeral like we would normally give. They don't sit shiva for him and they don't uh, say hespedim. And this unfortunately, unfortunately, um, whenever there's a death that's suspicious and it's clear from a report that somebody committed suicide, an overdose, whatever it is, if there's anything that would define that person as an anus, as somebody who was forced, somebody who wasn't in the right frame of mind, he didn't make a rational decision to end his life. 
but he was forced in a state of extreme mental or emotional desperacy to end his life, he's considered as not having made that decision. Person, there are stories where people are in jail cells and they kill themselves because they are facing the prospect of being locked up for the next 25 years. It's not the same thing as a person making a decision to end his life at a certain point for whatever reason, for whatever notions he has in his head. We assume that the person was not in his right mental state when he made that decision. Whenever we can, we, uh, we're, we, we assume the better of the person that he didn't make a rational decision to end his life in violation of Torah law. And in that context, Shulchan Aruch talks about somebody being an Anus. He's talking about somebody who is coerced, coerced by his own emotional state or his own circumstances to end his life like Shaul HaMelech. What, what does that mean he was coerced? Who forced him? We have to say that Shaul HaMelech, from the state that he was in, the fear, the, the, the pressure, and the overwhelming circumstances is considered as if the situation forced him to do it. And the situation forced him is not considered to have permitted and committed an act of uh, an act of murder. We might add on to this discussion just to flesh it out a bit. Another gemara, a, a, a tragic but yet heroic episode in the history of Klal Yisrael, and that is the death of the ten, uh, the ten holy martyrs, the Asara Haruge Malchut that were killed by the Romans, the ten great sages that were killed by the Romans, and the Gemara in Avodah Zara, Daf Yud Chet, speaks in relation to, uh, to Rav Hanin ben Tradion, one of the great sages, he taught Torah Barabim, and he was wrapped in a Sefer Torah, and he was put to death by fire. And in order to extend his agony, they put wet sponges all around his body that the fire would would work, it would do its, uh, would would kill him very slowly. His Talmidim said to him, the Gemara, let's quote the Gemara. They tell him, Psach picha, open your mouth, that the fire should go and should kill you quicker, you shouldn't have to suffer. He tells them, Mutav yitalena mishnitna, better, that the one who gave me life, mishnitna, who he should take life from me, and I shouldn't destroy myself. That means he felt that it was wrong. Despite that, the Roman executioner, what the Gemara calls the Kalsa Tenuri, the, that's the Roman word for executioner, asks him, if I take off these sponges that are slowing the spread of the fire, and I put on more, uh, more wood, Will you promise me a share in the world to come? He tells him, yes. He takes off the sponges as the wood. The fire goes up, consumes him. The Roman jumps into the fire. The Gemara tells us, a bat cold came out and says that the Roman executioner is He recognized the truth. He jumped into the flame to connect with the truth that was represented by the Kedusha of this of this Taner, Rabbi Hanina ben Tradion. And uh, that's the episode in the Gemara. So let's step out of the heroics, the inspiration of the story, and let's just analyze it for a second halakhically. In the Gemara, it's saying that, seemingly what the Gemara is saying is that he didn't want to do it himself, he wouldn't do it himself to kill himself, to speed up his death, but he was willing for the guy to do it. What happened? The non-Jew is not, uh, is not mechuyav 
in Ritzicha. There's a halacha that one is not allowed to ask a, uh, not allowed to ask a non-Jew to steal. Or even let's say one wants to serve a cut of meat to a non-Jew, and there's Evem Menachai. And one of the Shavat Mitzvot Bnei Noach is that he is not allowed to eat Evem Menachai. One is not allowed to sell that to a guy. You're responsible to make sure that a guy, if you can, does not violate one of the Shavat Mitzvot Bnei Noach. So what happened over here? So the Marashah over there makes reference to the fact that that's what was going on. He was telling the guy it's okay and not the Jew, but that itself begs the question, what's the difference? So what we have to say over here is that there's a fundamental difference between Ritzichaf and the perspective of a Goy, of Sheva Mitzvot B'nei Noach, as opposed to the uh, definition of Ritzichaf murder in the Halachic perspective that's relevant for us. And it could be that the the, the definition that we're looking for goes like this. Um, in terms of a non-Jew, in terms of civilization, like we said, the ground rules of civilization, Ritzicha means not to cause harm to somebody else. Same way you're not allowed to steal from him, you're also not allowed to take away his life. What about a life that we know is forfeit, the person's about to die? Could very well be that that's not called forfeiting human life. It's not called you're taking away life. He, he's unfortunately being burnt. He's going to die. You're ending his life. The fact that you might be ending it a few minutes earlier might not be significant enough to be called a, a ritzicha. However, from the Jewish perspective, not just from a civilization perspective, from a kiddushah Torah type of perspective, ritzicha goes a lot beyond taking away somebody's life. It has to do with standing against, violating the sanctity. Human life is an expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence. Every single person is Elohim. Every person walking the face of the earth who is alive, who has a body attached to a soul, and the soul, the godliness of a person is in the soul, in the body. That's the expression of godliness in this world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in this world is in every single human being that has a soul inside his body. This world is a physical place. Human beings have physical bodies. That that body, that that face, arms, legs, can be an expression of life given by the divine, that itself is the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To separate body from soul in a, in a human being is murder because you're creating a disconnect between the physical world and the spiritual world. It's a very profound concept, but it's it's a true concept. And and that means it's, it's not just about civilization, it's about Kiddushah. And that is the Jewish concept. And that's why we don't have these ideas of you can end somebody's life, quality of life, and a person can make a decision that his life's not worth living anymore. He's getting old, he has Alzheimer's, so you can just pull the plug, because that's not what life is. Life has nothing to do with how much you do or how much you accomplish. Of course, we're given life in order to accomplish, but the essence of life is the fact itself of the breath of human life existing in the physical world. That itself is the presence of Kiddushah in the physical world. Every human being has that, by the way. And because of that, uh, the Ritzichah, Reb Hanina ben Tradion, would not be willing to, to end that reality of a life in the physical world even a few seconds early. But for a non-Jew, it's just about, are you causing a damage, are you not? Are you, are you creating, uh, are you creating tragedy, are you not? In that case, it wasn't. So, because of that, he was allowed. So he told the guy to do it, but he wouldn't do it himself. 
getting back to Shaul uh, Melech, it's possible that we could say like this: when 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 somebody is in a state of coercion, the fear of battle, uh, the fear of torture, the decision that he makes to end his life is not considered his decision. It's called anus, right? That's the wording of the of the of the Shulchan Aruch that we just read. He's called an anus. He's called coerced. Coerced is not just oh, it's not his fault, but it's, it's not an act of violation of halacha. Anything that's considered as done coerced, person signs a contract with a gun to say, It's not just that's not his fault. It's that the contract was never signed. That halachically is not considered a signature if it was done under coercion. Anything that a person does in a state of fear, desperacy, um, you know, battle against him is considered as a coerced decision. If from a Jewish perspective, that's not an act of ritzicha. He didn't do it. He didn't violate human life. Loss of life? It could be that if he was going to die anyways, that loss of life is not considered significant. Like we just proved from the Goy by Rabbi Hanini ben Tradion. So now that would be, be allowed to do. As an act of violation, there's no violation being performed if he was in a state of coercion. That could very well be the... Uh, explanation we're looking for. What's interesting is, there's in the, in the literature, another tragic uh, fact of the medieval ages is very often when the guy would come into a community and, and all people, all the residents would get the choice, a blood libel or a pogrom or by the crusades, they would give them a choice, they could bow down to the cross, whatever it is, or they could be killed. And there are stories, tragic episodes that we refer to in some of the literature on Tisha B'Av that we say, um, where not only did they, they didn't want to have to get to the point of being in an Isayon that may be of succumbing to the sword and uh, bowing down, so they killed themselves and they killed the children of the community before killing themselves in order that nobody should uh, have the temptation to succumb to be baptized. And this is discussed back and forth whether this was the right thing to do, whether this wasn't the right thing to do. What we could say is, is that a person killing himself in a state of coercion is not an act of violation. But if a person makes a decision to kill somebody else, because of a calculation of not wanting that person to succumb to baptism, it could be that he's not allowed to make that calculation because it's an act of ritzichan. He's not allowed to do it. On the other hand, since it's again because of the fear of death and since he's going to die anyways or he's supposed to die anyways and not bow down to the sword, so Mamela, that's not called an act of ritzichan. That could be the discrepancy, the machloket rishonim. Should help us. We should serve him in peace, security, long life, and happiness. And we should be zocher that we should only see his presence declared, his kingship declared in the world, in the whole world. When Mashiach comes, this audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halacha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halacha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halachic consultation, monetary Bedin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halacha Journal, or for all other information, 
please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info at vshc.org to subscribe.